0: We've never experienced this. We've, we used to do this all nearly every summer. And so we decided to bring it back and go about seven or eight weeks, maybe nine now, I think. Is it ten weeks? and no, we can't go that far. i will have to cut some off. But uh, I told Brother Clark's our first one now. I've already told him he has 20 minutes. Everybody look at your watch. Everybody got 25 after? Everybody good? Because if it gets into my time, then he's setting precedence for the other men. And he can't do that. He's got to be the example. He's a deacon. He has to be the example. I'm looking forward we have several men signed up. We've I've never heard brother Brother Graham, Brother Hokit. We've heard Brother Todd before, but we always look forward to that. And Brother Harry Shepherd signed up. We're looking forward to Brother Harry on a Wednesday night. And it's just great. And brother Jack Brown and others. Uh, brother Prax, yeah. We'll pray about that. Amen, Brother Prax. Amen. <laughs> right. Amen. Uh, but this is—it's always been—it's uh, good and it's fun. I, I think it's just a great way to hear from our men. I appreciate Brother Clark and all that he does around here, and, and uh, just a fine, fine man. And uh, I appreciate him very much. Come on, preach. Now, I'm not feeding any of the special speakers afterwards on Wednesday night. All right? I've already been asked. Just because I feed special speakers, that work that way.
1: Yeah. 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 I tried, guys. That's the first thing I said to him. I said, you know, since uh, when the special preachers come in he takes them to eat, I didn't eat before we came, so I'm really thrown off here. So uh, uh, I believe God's called me to teach. Preaching is difficult for me. So uh, understandably, uh, I forgot to get the microphone and everything else. I'm just way off my, my uh, game. But uh, God laid upon my heart tonight to preach upon... The Trinity, and Brother Crawford said, "You got twenty minutes." Exactly. That's what I said. Yeah. Well, good luck. Um, Doctor Henderson's not here. We can roll on for a while, right? Okay. Um, anyway, uh, the doctrine of the the triune God is uniquely or unique to Christianity, and um, I'm not actually going to teach the Trinity tonight. It's something that uh, I think would take quite a while to get to but uh, just because we don't have a full and and complete understanding of the doctrine of the Trinity doesn't mean that it doesn't exist or that we don't benefit from it. So uh, after we pray, we'll see what the Trinity and the Christian has in common. So Lord, we do thank you again for allowing us to be here. Father, uh, we still rejoice over the VBS and Lord, the soul saved, and Lord, for Shelby, Lord, and, and, and again with the buying the paper for the Bibles, Lord, it just keeps on going, and and Lord, we thank you for that, and Father, do bless all those who are involved, Lord, bless their families. Lord, we ask you through your spirit tonight, Lord, that you'd teach, and Lord, that uh, we'd have understanding uh, of your word, we ask these things in Christ's name, amen. The the Trinity, the the word for God is a Hebrew word frequently used in the plural, Elohim, and we've we've all heard that. It's a a plural meaning of God. Uh, In the New Testament, we plainly see the triune God. When Jesus was at his baptism, Jesus is in the water. The Father calls out from heaven, and the Spirit comes down. So we see a a triune God there. Um, We're going to turn to about eight eight different passages of Scripture, so uh, wet your finger and pull your hat down tight, and we'll go. Uh, Look in the book of John, if you will, chapter 1. The, uh, the Father is all the fullness of the Godhead invisible. John chapter 1 and verse 18 says, No man hath seen God at any time. The, uh, the Son is all the fullness of the Godhead manifested. Look in verse 14. It says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father." full of grace and truth. And then the, uh, the Spirit is all the fullness of the Godhead acting immediately upon the creature. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for him that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So we see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Um, Again, it's a deep mystery that our finite minds can't really grasp, that they're, they're individual personalities but one God. And uh, again, just because we don't have a full understanding of it doesn't mean that we don't reap the benefits of it. Um, There's uh, several passages in the New Testament that include all three of them. And if you hurry and read through them, sometimes you fail to see that all three are mentioned in certain passages of Scripture. Um, The provision for salvation, Hebrews chapter 9. The provision for salvation in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 11. But Christ, being come a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth the purifying of the flesh, look at verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? There's there's the, the Trinity right there in the act of salvation telling us that uh, uh that the blood of Christ was, was offered through the Spirit of God without spot to God. So we have the, the triune God right there in, uh, in salvation. Look at verse 24. And, and again, to rest assured, for Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of, of the true, but in heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. How good is that? I mean, that, that's wonderful. When we, uh, we had the Bible here, and, and one night we had the altar over here, and Wednesday night we were able to explain to the kids that, look, the, 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 the offering of the blood of the, the bullocks and the rams weren't sufficient. That was only a picture of things to come. And I guess throughout the week it was made apparent because a lot of kids responded, uh, kids and adults alike. So not only in the provision of salvation... But after we're saved, there's a regeneration. Um, you know, we, we look at people and we say, man, they get saved, and, and man, we just want to see that, that switch turn on. And, and we've been able to do that in, in our lives of of seeing people get saved and just, just have a completely different walk and, and change of life. Some people take a little longer. Um, we have campaigns around here, and, and every church has Sunday school campaigns to, to elevate our, our numbers and then hang on to some of those. And, and that's what we do is each time we have a campaign, it brings in more people and some of them get it. And, and every one of us in the in the room tonight know that at one point we finally got it and stuck. That, that's why we're here now. You know, we came in and got out and came in and got out. And finally, at one point we came in and said, man, I need to be here. My family needs to be here. My kids need to be here. And, and we finally got it. So once we're saved... We get that regeneration, and, and the regeneration, uh, the, the, the meaning of it is to be renewed, reformed, or reconstituted. A spiritual birth, I like this one, replacement of any hurt or lost part. Just start with me from about here down, and replace that whole thing, because the old man wasn't any good, and still isn't. Uh, Galatians chapter 4. Galatians 4, verse 3. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions of the sons. Look at verse 6. Because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Here again we see the triune God here in in one verse. And uh, this one particularly stuck out with me. Um, It says, because we we are sons, um, this... uh, Abba, our Father, was strictly forbidden for the slaves to ever say that because they weren't of the adoption. Only the sons would do it. Uh, we've all heard of uh, the Abba, Father. It's only used three times in, in, in this certain text. Yeah, Paul uses it in Romans uh, for the spirit of adoption. Mark uses it uh, when, when Christ himself uh, was talking to God when he was in prayer at Gethsemane. And he asked God to take this cup from him. And he cried, Abba, Father. And that word Abba is uh, is it's an Aramaic word where we get our English word for daddy. Well, that will get a hold of you right there. Daddy would be a, a, a term that a small child would use in, in referring to, to his father. And then the, 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 the word father is a Greek word. And and one would use that to to someone who provides, protects, and supports. That would be from an adult son, would would say, Father, or or mention that. And and I know as we pray as adults, we pray to our Father. But you know, Jesus Christ prayed Abba. He he prayed Daddy. Not only my protector, but, but the whole realm of what Daddy is. And the Holy Spirit is who encourages us to ask the same way. He says, um, He says in verse six, Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That's us. And and, and we're allowed to do that. That that's a privilege that because we're of the adoption, that, that we're with Jesus Christ in in eternal inheritance. After salvation and regeneration, um, we have public testifying, which would be at baptism. Look at, at Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Jesus is sending out the uh, apostles. He says uh, in verse 19, he says, Go ye therefore, because all power is given, he says in the previous verse, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them what? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Again, the triune God at baptism. So not only at, at salvation, regeneration, but also at baptism, we have our triune God that uh, is encouraging us on, if you will. Um, But not only does He deal with us in those three aspects, but in our daily lives, how we can uh, uh, see the triune God dealing with us on a a daily basis. Our greatest resource as a Christian is prayer. Brother Crawford's fixing to preach on that here in just a minute. Uh, What a resource. I, I, I stand up here every week. And 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 say, I don't think we have our minds wrapped around that we have access into the creator of the universe can walk up and lay our petitions at his feet. That's astounding right there, y'all. That that's that's one of our, our greatest powers as a Christian. You know, we come in here every Wednesday and every Sunday and we raise our hand and say, Pray for so and so. Pray for so why do we do that? We do that because we believe that God Will move in men's lives, and that He has the power to do that. that that's why we do that. That you know, uh, we don't come in down here, and 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 it's not a game to us. We we pray, um, we pray for Missy. We we pray for uh, you know Mary's dad. Pray for Harry's dad. Uh, you know, everyone that is mentioned here. We pray for Bertha. I mean, we just go around. Everybody of the family of God says, "Hey." Here's who is is in need and who to go to better than God. And we have that power. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 18. Again, looking at the the triune God here, he says, "For, for through Him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. We come in Jesus' name through the Spirit of God to the Father. Uh, Our greatest resource that we can ever have as a Christian is prayer. And and we need to use it. We need to use it, um, you know, always in prayer, uh, never ceasing in prayer. Not only in prayer, but uh, in learning. Um, We talk about this a lot. You know, how do you learn all this? Or how do you know all this? Pray to the Father that through His Spirit, He would teach us. Look at John again, chapter 14. Verse 26. Again, the triune God in in evidence here. Jesus says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in My name, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance... Whatsoever I have said unto you. John recorded this, the, uh, the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, almost a decade later when he when he wrote this. All the apostles were dead, and the Holy Spirit gave him recall of everything that he said. And this isn't paraphrasing that John did. This is what he said. The Holy Spirit gave him uh, that knowledge to remember and write that down. And Jesus says here, The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in My name, He shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. There's proof positive right there because we just read it. And we read it that John was able to write it down. We are also uh, use the, the, the triune God to bear witness. Look in uh, chapter 15, right there, in John chapter 15 and verse 26. But the Comforter, but when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of Truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me, and ye also shall bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. I can't go out on visitation. I, I can't speak to anybody. God says you can. God says just come on. I'll give you the the ability to bear witness to me. We talked about it Sunday. Of, you know, just tell them what God did for you. Tell them who you used to be and who you are now. When when you get right down to who I was and who I am now, uh, there's a there's a testimony right there. And again, we're not called to be a a uh, an attorney. We're not called to to argue anything. We're just called to testify. We're called to be a witness. We're just a witness. Here, here's what what I saw or what what was evident in my life. That's what we're called to do. And then finally, am I finally? Two minutes. Ooh, uh, nobody's nobody's beepers have went off yet. I've been in a hurry. If y'all couldn't tell. Um, Finally, we have eternal assurance in the triune God. Look at Second uh, Corinthians again. Second Corinthians, Chapter thirteen. Here, Paul is ending his discourse to the church at Corinth, his second letter. Verse 14 says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. There's our triune God right there in the same verse. And again, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, And the communion we have with the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Turn to First Timothy, Chapter Two. 1 Timothy, chapter 2. Appreciate the message. Amen. 1 Timothy, chapter 2. Verses 1 through 4. As we look forward to revival, our revival meetings coming up here in just about three weeks with Brother J.C. House will be with us. I want to take the next three Wednesday nights and speak to you just a little bit on preparing for revival. One of the greatest things we can do in preparation for revival is pray. And this is probably the weakest area in every church. If you were just to go to any church and get down with everybody and say, all right, how much time do you all really spend in prayer? How much time does the church spend in prayer? Uh, It would really be one of the weakest points. Maybe even weaker than soul winning. And that's probably uh, one of those two would be the weakest points. Prayer is the muscle that moves the arm of God. As I said Sunday, if we ought to have revival, then we, we have to have prayer. Look at First Timothy chapter two, and look at verse. Look at First Timothy chapter two and verse one. I exhort you therefore that first of all, you ought to underline that in your Bible. First of all, Timothy, uh, Paul says to Timothy, first of all, I exhort you. I, I encourage you therefore. First of all, supplications and prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks be made for what? All men. We ought to pray for all men. And by men there, it means mankind, both men and women, of course. And we ought to be in prayer. First of all, supplications and prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for, and for all that are, that are in authority that they may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have, notice the repetition of the phrase there, all men, all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. If we are to have results, spiritual results in in revival, there must be prayer. There must be prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says that we as Christians ought to pray without ceasing. Amen? That means we ought to always be in the attitude of prayer. There ought ought to be any time during the day, you ought to be able to just in your mind to say a prayer to the Lord without any hesitation, without any qualms, any little thing in the back of your mind saying, you know, you don't deserve to pray the Lord because of this sin or that sin or because of this or that. But there ought to always be in the attitude of prayer. And you've heard this before. We understand that prayer has a part in the believer's salvation, And that as as we pray, we pray, we call upon the name of the Lord. We pray with our heart, our mind, our will, and our emotions. And believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, we we have eternal life. Not only does prayer have a part in our salvation, but prayer restores us. The Bible says that, uh, as I said Sunday, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar, and the truth isn't in you. As Christians, we sin. I love the song that Miss Linda sings. We're just sinners saved by grace, and we are certainly, certainly should never put ourselves in the positions of being a Pharisee and to stand up and look down upon other people and say, "I'm better than them." Listen, we're no better than anybody, amen. And certainly, uh, as teachers and deacons and preachers, myself, whomever, uh, we ought to. We we are all on the same level, if you would, when it comes to sin. I say, preacher, I, I you know I'm not a murderer. The Bible says if you break one, you, one law, you've broken them all. We learned that at Vacation Bible School. Amen. We're all selfish by nature. We have that old man in us. And therefore, we are all under, under again, that sin bondage as such. But we know the new nature has been given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. And He's broken, uh, given us the ability to break free of that bondage by way of His strength and by way of the Holy Spirit that's spoken tonight. So the, it is it is prayer that restores fellowship with the Lord. As Christians, if we ought to have a good relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, sin must be prayed for and forgiven by the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship is restored. And I'm not going to, it's not my message tonight, but there, the Bible says that God does not hear the prayer of a sinner. I believe that. If there's sin in your life or sin in my life, then that communication is broken. And we need to go to God and, and confess our sins. So, again, it's, it's prayer that restores us. And we need to look, uh, look at ourselves. Number three, sin unloads us. Unloads us. Uh, I'm sorry, prayer unloads us. As we pray, we unload. Woo! Remember, I remember, you know, in the summers, hauling hay and going up to the to the barn and pulling that trailer back, backing that trailer up inside that barn and start unloading the the hay. And it wasn't very fun to unload. But once the unloading was done, woo! I mean, it was time. A lot of times when I was a little kid, we used to take off running towards the pond, you know, stripping as we go. By the time we got there, we were ready. Diving to the pond. It was so much fun. But uh, as we come to the altar or you go in your private time of prayer, and you pray for forgiveness. You pray and you unload the Lord. Again, that may not be very fun, but once that unloading is done and the burden is lifted, oh, what, how great that feels. Amen? And all a part of revival is that unloading process. Is that unloading process in prayer. Uh, again, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Matthew 11, 29 says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls." For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we want to come in prayer and unload our burdens to the Lord. Our sin burdens, our other burdens. Whether it be a burden for a lost loved one or a burden for somebody who's sick. We want to come to the Lord with those things. Tonight I especially want to deal with this subject of intercessory prayer. And we'll deal more with it in the next couple of weeks. But as Christians, we ought to be interceding for others and praying for others. I exhort... Therefore, that first of all, supplications and prayers, intercession. Notice it kind of, it divides up these areas of prayer. Intercessory, uh, session is made separate than the word prayer or supplication or thanksgiving. Intercession, again, is interceding for someone else uh, on, on their behalf to God. And as we intercede tonight for those who, who are sick, we are interceding for them. We're praying for them and uh, going to the Lord on their behalf. Let's think tonight especially about the lost. On Sunday morning, God's really blessed us with a lot of visitors. Let's say as those people come coming, coming through the back doors and they begin to sit down, has anybody prayed for them? Have we prayed for them? Have we gone to God and interceded on their behalf to God and prayed for them? Have we gone to them and prayed specifically for them? In other words, not just saying, Lord, bless us this Sunday and God uh, want to do something for the preacher. Now, I'm saying spend some time and say, Lord, uh, we've been having visitors, God, and what a blessing that is, and continue to send us visitors. And, Lord, we pray that you'd work in the heart of those visitors, that, that if they're lost, that they would get saved. And God, we pray that you'd burden their heart and convict them. I mean, spend some specific time praying for their lost condition. As we think about this, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and look at verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God, the little G.O.D. of this world, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Do you understand tonight that the world outside these doors, and hopefully none inside, but the world outside these doors that many of them, most of them, are blinded to the Gospel. That Satan has blinded their eyes. They, do, they They cannot comprehend the things of God and understand the Gospel because they're blinded. It's not just them that's the cause of it. They are They are literally blinded by Satan. He is literally blocking, if you would, the Gospel to them. As God has an active role in our life and working in our lives... Amen? So is Satan active in our lives. Hello? And so is Satan active in the lives of the lost to blind their eyes. That's what the Bible says. You've heard this verse before. I know you have. But he's blinding their eyes. Look at, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can you know them because they are spiritually discerned. The natural man, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. The natural man cannot understand the things of God. In fact, it's not that he just doesn't understand them, but to him, they're foolishness. Any of y'all ever encountered one of the men or you know, lady that made fun of you or made fun of me because of our stance on the Word of God or our coming to church, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, uh calling you a fanatic, calling you you know, a cult or <laughs> you know, calling you name, whatever, and they just cannot understand why you would spend time at church and why you would uh, give to that church and, and why you would invest in that church and why you would do all these things they just don't understand it. And, and they're looking at you as if you're a fool. Right? Well, the fool had said in his heart there isn't no God. We'll put it back on them. But to them, the gospel is foolishness. It's foolishness. They're blinded. I said before the power in prayer is amazing. Power in prayer. Prayer is the muscle that moves the arm of God. We realize that the atomic bomb killed 92,000 people. 92,000 people. But King Hezekiah prayed when his city was surrounded by the Assyrian army. And 185 soldiers, 185,000 soldiers died when Hezekiah prayed. Prayer is more powerful than the atomic bomb. Amen. We 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 have got so and I'm we I'm putting myself in this. We have we have such a low view of how powerful prayer really is. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. In fact, prayer is so powerful that it will. It will pull the blinders off the lost if we'll simply pray. You say, Preacher, I notice we've had a lot of people saved VBS and we've had a few saved here and there, but what about all these visitors coming? Why aren't, why aren't they getting it? And I don't know many of them are saved already. We visit in their homes and find that out. But many of them walk through and they hear a clear presentation of the gospel and, and certainly the preacher can do a better job than you be in prayer for me. But they're blinded. How are the blinds going to be lifted? By our prayers. By our prayers. By our prayers. We, as church members, as a part of this family, must intercede to God on their behalf. In fact, the Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 says that Jesus ever liveth to make intercession for us. He's interceding for us, and He's interceding for the lost. You don't think Jesus isn't praying for the lost? Absolutely, He is. He would have all men, it said there in Timothy, He would have all men to be saved. All men. Paul says to young Timothy, first of all, first of all, make prayer, supplication, intercession. Pray for those men. Pray for those ladies. Pray for them. And I'm just, I'm encouraging and exhorting you tonight. Let's take the next three weeks. Maybe your prayer life is. In a low spot, let's take the next three weeks and make it the best prayer time we've ever had in our lives. Let's let's take on the way to work and pray on our on our way to a job. Let's take the time and get up a little earlier. Take the time and intercede uh, for others to God on their behalf. Pray for them, and not, I'm talking about praying specifically for things. Pray for the revival meeting, and we're going to talk about next Wednesday night about. And I know this sounds. Kind of selfish, but praying for yourself. Revival is all about looking inward. It's not about praying whether that ne- person next to you has revival. It's praying, Lord, give me revival. <laughs> you say, it's me, it's me, oh, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh, Lord, standing in the... I mean, it's us. Amen, each of us standing before God and pouring our heart out to Him, unloading our burdens to Him, and, and just dumping it out you won't believe how good you feel after you're unloaded and then taking that spirit that you feel after you've unloaded and praying for others just pray for others and pray specifically for the lost during revival meeting and we ought to do it all the time but praying specifically for them and praying specifically that god would open their eyes because he's the only one who can I believe if you look on, in prayer in your Bible, if you look many, many verses and time together, and we'll cover this in the next couple of weeks, that the lost will not be won if we will not pray for them. And there's many, many scriptures and great testimonies about others who prayed for someone else, and may have taken years, but they got saved. God hears our prayers. There's power in prayer. Hezekiah prayed and 185,000 soldiers were killed. There's power in prayer. Let's pray. Let's pray for Brother House as he comes. Pray for ourselves. Let's intercede for, uh, let's intercede for others. Pray for others. Not just, not just the sick ones. I know we talk about the sick ones all the time, but let's pray for the lost. Pray the lost will be saved. Amen. Let's... On behalf of our church and staff, thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons and more information about our church, please visit hbchazlitt.org.